Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, everybody. It is Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope everyone's having a good day, getting ready for the holidays. Welcome to another edition of the New Music Spotlight. This is our last episode for 2019. We'd like to welcome our latest guest all the way from the UK, Mr. Ryan Anthony from Writer's Creed. How are you doing today, Ryan? Hello, how you doing? You're okay. Thank you for doing this. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Been a fan of you guys since the album came out over the summer, uh, the debut record. Great, great uh, debut release. But uh, once again, thank you for doing oh, this. I appreciate you. it. Cheers. No, no, thank you very, very much for having me. Uh, I'm very, very, uh, very happy that you were a fan of the album. That, that, that means a lot. Thank you very much. Yes, yes. We'll get we'll get into the album here in a bit, but we always start the new music spotlight or any time we have a new guest with the same first question, and that is the essence of the show, which is okay. just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a band, a performance, a song, or an album that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you, Ryan? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think for me, uh, my dad was the one that hooked me onto rock and roll. Um, from a very early age, uh, I've been brought up listening to the music that my dad grew up listening to. So all of the classic rock bands like, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin and Guns N' Roses, Black Sabbath, and then more of the sort of the, the modern sort of music uh, coming up into the 90s, like... Uh, Audio Slave and, and a few grunge bands like Pearl Jam and stuff like that, and then moving into the the more sort of modern today music, it's bands like Blackstone Cherry and Alterbridge. So you know, right from a very early age, I was introduced to rock and roll, and uh, and it just kind of stuck, and it, and it made me it made me want to do it, and made me want to live the same lifestyle and and and, and perform on stage and, and do the same thing. So yeah, that, it was my dad really that hooked me on rock and roll. Yeah. 
what was it, you know, where did it go from there? You, you know, you, your dad introduced you to all these bands. Was there an artist? Was there a song? Was there a moment that you heard, a, you know, a track being played that made you want to perform? Well, uh, my uh, my dad is a massive uh, Rush fan. Um, and when I was younger, he, he took me to see a couple of big concerts. One, one, of, one of which was, uh, was a Rush concert when they uh, released the uh, Snakes and Arrows album. Um, and I went to see that live in, in Birmingham. And, uh, and it just completely blew me away. Like the entire stage production, the, the fact that they combined video with their live performance, uh, the fact that the band is just a three-piece band and yet this insane, huge sound comes out from from what they play and, and just how the entire thing from start to finish is just one massive performance and one massive uh, show. Uh, it, it really opened my eyes to the possibilities of what people can actually do when they put their minds to it and they want to get on stage and, and wow uh, a whole bunch of people, really. So I think, for me... Personally, um, it was when my dad took me to see Rush live in concert in Birmingham that really sort of kick-started my drive to want to do that myself. Was there a was there an artist that made you want to write music? You know, was it a song that you heard? I know because there's the evolution of the artist, right? There's the introduction of rock music, and then there's the want to play it and want to perform it. Was there a moment where there was a want to write it? You know, was there a song or like another band? What was it like for you? Um, yeah, I guess I guess there was. Um, so one of my biggest influences and one of one of the people who I really um, aspired to uh, be like, really, when I was younger and stuff, and what really kickstarted me writing my own music and, and trying to uh, develop my vocal range to become uh, sort of what I am now and then also try to achieve what I always kind of want to be and, and constantly keep trying to improve. I think one of the main artists really was, for me, um, Chris Cornell. Uh, my dad introduced me to Audio Slave uh, when we were driving around in our little car to and from uh, sailing when I was younger and, um, and he used to put on the tapes of Audio Slave's debut album and I think hearing Chris Cornell with his quite haunting vocals and, and his really cleverly written metaphorical lyrics and stuff like that really inspired me to try and sort of put my feelings and my emotions onto a piece of paper and, and write the same way and, and, and try and develop my own sort of technique and stuff from him but I think, I think yeah, I think the artist really that did it for me was, was Chris Cornell, yeah. Now, once you heard the Audio Slave material, which is absolutely phenomenal, did you go back and listen to the mm-hmm. Soundgarden? Did you check out his solo stuff? Oh yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, very much so. Um, I actually uh, became an avid follower of Chris Cornell. I went back and, and looked at and listened to all of the Soundgarden stuff, and you know, a few of the Soundgarden uh, tracks I'm a fan of. Wasn't massively sort of into the Soundgarden project that he did, but I do I do love them and, and really rate them as a band. Um, but Audio Slave, for me, their three albums was where it was, uh, for me, um, a, a massive kind of turning point in in, in, in my head and, in my, and as me as a person sort of thing. So, um, but his solo stuff, 
is also absolutely fantastic. Like when he did the theme tune for Casino Royale, You Know My Name, um, I thought that was an absolutely fantastic uh, track as well. And, and so I sort of kept up with his, his singles and with his solo material and uh, found out that just before he passed, um, passed away, that he was working on doing some Johnny Cash songs and stuff with the with the same team that worked with Johnny Cash and stuff like that. And, I, and you know, he became a, a massive interest point for me. Um, and I just, I, I, you know, I followed him ever since, really. <laughs> no, he's a phenomenal artist, phenomenal singer. It's, you know, it's tragic what happened to him. Uh, you know, I think there was there was so much more material for him to come and so much more evolution, uh, you know, of him that we did not get to see. And it's a shame. Uh, he did leave us with some great music, but, you know, we, we always want more, right? And that's the, you know, that's the definition of, yeah. of, of a great yeah, artist. Is you, you, you're never satisfied with what you have. Yeah, yeah, 100%. He was, he was taken way too young, and he had, he had so much more to give. Um, and it was it was hugely tragic and you know out of all the celebrities and stuff that we hear of you know passing away every single year I think Chris Cornell was one of the ones that you know reduced me to tears you know it, it, it hit me hard when he passed and for the way that he passed as well um, you sort of end up listening to his material a lot uh, with, with different ears you know you, you end up hearing the pain and hearing the struggle in, in some of his lyrics and stuff and thinking God why why didn't we notice this sooner? You know, it was it's it's crazy what thought process you go through after one of your idols um, passes away into the reasons why they did so. But yeah, it's it's hugely tragic, and um, and he he is sorely missed by a great many people. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Tell us about the history of Writers Creed. You guys were formed in 2017. The debut album came out. Um, talk about just the history and where you guys come from. Yeah, so uh, we formed in May 2017, um, and we actually, it was it was kind of like a, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, really. Uh, me and Miles and Richard were in a band previously, and that didn't end too well. Um, but we decided that we definitely didn't want to stop, and we had a lot more to give, and we didn't want to give up. So... We actively, in I think we had, I think we only had six days before our next book commitment. So we literally created uh, Riders Creed. Got two two other members involved, and and uh, sort of hit the practice studio and started rehearsing, and um, you know started writing and, and, and getting everything artwork wise sorted and stuff uh, within six days, so that we were ready to play our next show because we didn't want to let any of the booking agents down and, and we didn't want to, you know, let anybody that sort of booked us on shows throughout the rest of that year, we didn't want to let them down. So we, we had to work really, really hard and, and I think we pulled it up and yeah, so just, uh, it came together quite nicely, almost as if it was meant to happen, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I So you guys started playing, when did the writing process start? So the writing process uh, of Brothers Creed is um, it's a music and lyrics based, so it, and in that order as well. So what we do is we we sit down in our lockup or our practice room or the, the cabin at the back of Richard's mum's garden, for example, or wherever we are, we uh, we sit down and we 
come up with music and we write the music and we, we write what we feel and, you know, what we're liking at the time and we derive influences from different bands that we're listening to at the time and we just really put our heads together and create some music that we all feel extremely positive about and then once that music is down and we've got that demo and I have something that I can listen to on repeat over and over again, um, I will then come up with a separate melody that will lie on top of the music that's been created and then once I've got the melody, I'll come up with the lyrics and the lyrics um, for me is basically kind of however that song makes me feel. So however I feel when I'm listening to the music that the other lads have have written and and demoed, I will then come up with lyrics to go with that. So it is very much a music and lyrics uh, scenario and in that exact order. (laughs) Now with the four of you, everyone has their own different influences. How is that collaborative effort brought in you know how, do, as, how does everybody bring in their own ideas and and how does the band you know start the creation from those ideas well yeah actually it works really well um because our influences are uh you know some of the bands that we, that we hold as our influences and our idols and whatnot whilst we're writing are the same as each other's and and yet we do have extremely different influences as well. So, for example, my influences, like I've just mentioned, are uh, like Audio Slave and Alter Bridge and Aerosmith and, and, you know, bands like that and vocalists like those, you know, Chris Cornell and Miles Kennedy and Steven Tyler. But then Richard, our bass player, for example, he's got um, Motorhead and Iron Maiden and, you know, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, like 80s house music kind of drum and bass kind of influences as well that come across in his influences with his, you know, the way that he finds it very groovy and, and bouncy and the way that he's able to sort of really play the bass guitar as if it's an actual guitar itself because he was a, a guitarist first. Um, our drummer, me, his influences derive from funk and soul and groove and also takes influences from like Red Up Chili Peppers, for example, and uh, Neil Peart from Rush, and different influences like that. And Miles, our guitarist, you know, he takes influences from Blackstone Cherry and Pink Floyd, and you know, bands bands like that, and all, all, almost bands of a heavier nature as well, like moving into the sort of hardcore and melodic metal kind of influences as well, just to get that real kind of groove to this hard rock that we're creating, which you know, our, our listeners and our fans will definitely be able to uh, hear those influences within the new album because we've taken a little bit of a like a heavier, more adult, more mature approach to to our music in the in the new album. So yeah, our influences come from everywhere, but I you know realistically they all work extremely well together, and we're very very lucky that that that, that is the case. You put the band together to finish these shows that you had commitments for and then you started writing with each other and then as you write you develop more material you get out and play it how has the the new music in the uk how how receptive have people been i know here in in north america it's difficult for a new band 
to find a platform for people to, well, it's not difficult to find a platform, but it's, it's difficult for people to connect with where they're at and find their platforms to find their music. How is that in the UK? Um, in all fairness, I think it's, um, I think it's rather fantastic, uh, in the UK, especially right now. Um, the, the platform for bands like ours to actually get out there and show our music and showcase our music to, you know, a wider audience and to reach new fans, to play more stages and more venues around the UK, um, is, is really, really fantastic. And it's, and it's a growing, it's a growing thing. Uh, you know, it almost gets better every year. And so when we started back in 2017, it was almost like we jumped in right at the, at the correct time. Um, it was like the resurgence of rock and roll and hard rock was just getting off the ground. And we actually have a, uh, a group of people, um, like a Facebook group um, in the UK called the New Wave of Classic Rock. And the New Wave of Classic Rock doesn't just include bands from the UK. You know, it includes bands from the USA and all around the world, Australia as well. It's another prominent one. We've got a lot of really amazing rock bands coming out of Australia at the moment as well. And it's just a fantastic platform. And, and this group has grown a huge, huge amount uh, since it first started. I think we are, I think we're just over 15 and a half thousand followers in this group at the moment. And it's just full of rock music fans that are desperate for new bands and new material and, you know, new music and stuff and, and to go and see it. And the following in the UK at the moment for the new wave of classic rock scene is absolutely phenomenal and it is growing by the month. And I think that, that we've been, we are now hitting this new generation of rock and roll and this resurgence of rock and roll at exactly the right time. And I think it's going to, it's going to recycle from what it was in the 70s and the 80s. It's just going to bring this new era of bands and stuff. And it's, it's extremely exciting to be a part of it. So, yeah, in the UK, it's, it's fantastic at the moment. Yeah. I believe that. I believe that it's right underneath the surface here, right? Right in, the, in North America and also in the UK and other areas as well. There's so much new great music coming out from new bands and I think it's coming. I think there's this big wave coming. There's, I mean, literally dozens and dozens of bands that are out there right now that are producing top notch materials such as yourselves. And, and I, I, I think in that within the next year, two years, it's, it's going to start becoming more mainstream and it's going to become more popular with the youth of today. I mean, I have a 14 year old son who listens to rock music, you know, compared to his, his, his friends in high school who may listen to other things, him and his small group, they have like this thing going on with rock music, which I think is really cool. And when you see that, you know, it's, it's about to turn. Do you feel the same way? Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's exciting. It's really exciting. Um, I mean, you know, just by, just by looking at adverts on the TV, for example, nowadays, a lot more rock bands are being used in, in adverts that would, you know, traditionally use pop music and a lot more rock music is being used in a lot more sort of media outlets. And I think, I think it's really, really exciting that, that you know, as you say, it's right under the surface and it's, you know, it's just sort of 
bubbling and, and, and sort of ready to explode into this kind of proper um, rock and roll kind of uh, resurgence kind of thing. I, th- I think it's really, really exciting. And to be a part of it as well, especially at the, at the correct time, like we, we just kind of hit the scene at the right time and hopefully, fingers crossed, our music will be, you know, the, the music that people end up listening to. You know, the, you know, the rock bands of yesterday are stopping or retiring or unfortunately members are dying. And, you know, I mean, it, it's making a huge gap in the market for bands like ours to fill. And I think, I think it's, it's, it's insanely uh, exciting. So, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, um, it's, it's very good. <laughs> it's very good. Well, I, I often say that too. You know, they're the with the classic rock bands that are touring and making new music, there's only they only have a certain amount of time before they won't be able to tour anymore. I mean, the, a lot of these bands are in their sixties and seventies. A lot of these bands are very physical on stage, meaning they move around and they're very active. And as they get older, it's going to be harder and harder for them to do that. I know Metallica has talked about that, about how their shows are and how active they are on stage, that they may only have one more album. So over the next 10 years, the landscape is going to change, you know, and and there's this new wave of rock coming that I think it benefits people to, you know, of course, keep liking the bands that you like, but also, you know, pay attention to the stuff that's coming because it's really good and it really plays off those influences that, you know, we all love. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, like bands like Aerosmith, for example. I mean, Stephen Tyler's got to be, what, 72, 73 or, or some, somewhere around there at he's the moment? De- yeah, and, he's definitely yeah, over 70. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think I remember seeing his, his 70th birthday uh, posts on, on Instagram and stuff a couple of years ago. So I know, I know he's around the 72, 73 kind of place, but you're right. I mean, they're, they're no spring chickens anymore, you know. Um, then they move around on stage. They're very active. They're, they're, you know, the stages they play are huge, and you see these, these people running around the stage like they're kids still. And I think part of how they're still able to do that is because they're living the life of their dreams. You know, they're living um, a very, very happy, uh, exciting, um, opportunistic kind of lifestyle. And I think that's amazing. It's a way, it's definitely a way of staying young, at least feeling like you're staying young, you know, but you're right. They're not going to be around forever. And um, within the next sort of 10 years, we will see uh, a massive kind of change in the landscape, like like you said. Um, so I think I think for music fans out there, and I think for people who avidly follow uh, bands and go out to gigs and and travel to see bands, as much as it is amazing to see all of these you know old school bands like Aerosmith and the Rolling Stones and and ACDC and Guns and Roses and bands like that, I think it is great to go and see them, but for the price of a ticket to go and see these bands that are still doing the same things that they were doing, you know, 40 years ago, 30 years ago and whatever. I think that if you were to take that money and put that money into a six pounds or, or dollars, for example, like a $10 ticket uh, or a $15 ticket to go and see up and coming new artists playing music that might very well end up being your favorite music 
for the rest of your years to come. You know, it's 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 definitely something that people should be keeping an open mind about about going and supporting the new scenes and supporting the up and coming music and and the bands of tomorrow because when the bands of today are gone, you know, all you'll have, I mean, you'll have the CDs and the vinyls and you'll, you'll be able to listen to them online. But supporting the new music is how you can create that atmosphere and that experience for the younger generations as well as yourselves, you know. So it's, it's definitely important to support new music and keep keep going back to the new bands and supporting the new bands. Absolutely. I have seen so many great new bands for almost next to nothing. I mean, $15, $20 to see these new great bands come and play and become fans of them and start to follow them and hear their material. It, I think of one example that I've mentioned before on, on different shows, but I saw Tyler Bryant with Temperance Movement over the summer in Chicago, and the tickets were $18 a piece. Um, and it was, yeah. it was, yeah, yeah. you know, it was, fantastic band. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal band. And you know, it's, it's 18 bucks for a ticket. You have a good time. There's three hours of great music and you leave there and you feel energized because you, you saw a new act. You saw some new music that's created that connects with you as a rock fan. I can't stress enough yeah. how important that is and how, easy it is for 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 someone to go and do that it's not you're not breaking the bank to go see a classic rock band that's going to cost you over a hundred bucks you know plus the money for alcohol once you get into the show and the you know the, the cost for parking you know is is in in the, in the u.s is anywhere from 20 to 35 dollars just to park your car so you know it's um it, it, it really is beneficial for you to go see it for a rock fan to go see it and you know it's economically beneficial too i mean you're 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 going to go out on a friday and saturday night you might as well go see some rock music that you're going to enjoy right i mean that's the whole idea yeah yeah i totally agree like 100 percent. i mean you know in the uk uh tickets to a, a show like a, a show supporting up and coming bands and, and some new music and stuff you know Shows range anywhere between five pound a ticket to you know up to eighteen twenty pound a ticket. So and it really isn't breaking the bank, like you said. It's like you you have your drinks money. You know, for the price of one of these massive bands that you're going to go and see, you've got your parking money, you've got your drinks money, merchandise money, so that you can put money back into the band's pockets and support them, as well as the ticket and an entry fee to get into the show itself. I think that you're right. It's, it's definitely a better thing to do. To go and support the the newer artists and the bands that you will love um, for, for years and years to come, because these are the bands bringing out their debut albums, and these are the bands that are bringing out new music on a regular basis. You know, whereas the bands of, of yesterday, you know, most of them are still touring the same things they've been playing for the last thirty years, and we know we love the songs we've downloaded and bought, and you know, got the CDs and the vinyls of all of these songs and whatnot, but the new music that's coming out, you get to look forward to new EPs and you get to look forward to new albums and new singles, you know, new music videos. And it's just extremely exciting um, to, you know, become an avid follower of the new music scene. So I think, yeah, definitely go and support the new artists like Tyler Bryant and the Temperance Movement, for example. We've we've had the, um, you know, we've had the, the honor of actually 
sharing the stage with the temperance movement um, a, a couple of times, and, and they're incredible, like really, really nice guys, and and just fantastically talented musicians as well. And and these are the bands of tomorrow, and these are the bands that we've got to all be, you know, avidly supporting and 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 carrying on into the future. Because without fans and without music supporters, these bands can't survive within this industry. So just like how people did it back in the day, it's now even more important, especially when we're living in an online world, that, that we do it uh, for bands of, of today as well. So, yeah, you're right. You also have people like Anastella in the UK too, promoting music, promoting new rock bands as well, which helps. It, and it, 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 you can't define how much it helps because – you know, there's there's so many bands, and she does a great job of getting exposure for them, and hopefully opening up doors for you guys and avenues, and just for exposure. I know a lot of stuff that she's done, I never heard of, and I watch her interviews and I check out the bands that she's interviewing, and and I'm like, wow, this is a great band too. So, you know, it's important to support those people as well who are trying to get the music in front of you. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean. You know, even just a simple share on a social media platform or a simple tweet or, or you know, uh, a thumbs up or a comment on YouTube, for example. Like, even just something as simple as that, it just means the world to the bands that are releasing their new material. And, you know, you don't know who's going to see these posts. So when a, when a smaller up-and-coming magazine company, for example, will share your music to the following that they have, you don't know as, as a band, you know, who's seeing these posts and who is actually paying attention to what you're doing. So, you know, supporting bands and sharing things and the, you know, the underground kind of up and coming little businesses like magazines and radios and podcasts and all this to, to include people uh, like from bands such as myself onto these shows and to include their music and, you know, to support them in that way, I think is, is an absolutely fantastic way to support these bands, and it really is brilliant. So, you know, you know, in advance, I just want to thank you so much for having me on the show as well, because it really does mean a lot to to us fans. It really does, and and we're very very grateful for everything that people like you are, are doing for the up and coming scene. So, thank you very very much. I love it. I I love connecting with new music. I love doing whatever I can because, you know, once I, I fall in love with something, I want other people to hear it. I've always been that way. And, you know, whether it's, you know, yeah. Writer's Creed or, or, or Takeaway Thieves or whoever it is, if I like it, I want more people to know about it and hear it. And I, I remember, you know, yeah, I remember, you know, whenever I was even in my younger days when I would hear a new rock band, my friends would be in the car and I'd put the new album in and I'd put, you know, new songs in and, just we just listen to it. I've always been been one to do that, and I always enjoy doing it, and especially when the music is good, right? I mean that 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 that's half the battle. Yeah. And and when you have the material like your debut album that I just love, it's really easy to want to share it. Yeah, hundred percent. And and that's an absolutely fantastic trait to have as well. You know, there there are a lot of people out there that share the same attitude, and you know, share the same. Uh, love and, and, and passion for, for what they're hearing and, and, and what they find out and the new music and stuff. So, and it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, I still believe even now, even in this day and age of online and digital marketing and all this kind of stuff, I still believe even now 
there's the power of word of mouth promotion is so powerful still, even today. Like, you know, because when you talk to somebody in person about a, a piece of new music or a new movie or, or a music video, for example, and you show them or you show them a trailer or a little snippet of something, you know, when you're actually talking to them in person about it, they can see how excited you are about it. They can hear in your voice how enthusiastic you are about it and and it makes them want to go and check it out. It's an extremely persuasive technique. Every single person, you know, on the planet is an influencer in their own way. And to go to your best friend or to go to your family or to go to your son, for example, and say, oh, have you heard this piece of music or have you checked out this band? And, you know, and they, they often say, no, no, I haven't. What are they like? And, and it just becomes this conversation. And next thing you know, maybe they're a massive fan as well. And they go off and talk to somebody else. So word of mouth is extremely important. And I think, I think you're doing what you do when you talk to people about it and you follow them and you, and you know, you, you enthusiastically kind of showcase and tell people what you're into and stuff. I think that's an absolutely fantastic way also of promoting the bands that you discover, you know, take away beats, for example, like, like you just mentioned, who, who are an absolutely fantastic band. And we're, you know, we're very good friends with, uh, Neil from from Takeaway Teams and and you know lovely lovely people and they deserve the positive attitude they deserve the enthusiasm and the, and the excitement that that fans and friends will will promote them with to other people so you know word of mouth is absolutely incredible man. Well, let's talk about your debut record. Uh, I had a holy shit moment when I saw your video for Raise the Roof. Um, I, that was my, that was my first exposure to you guys. And I just was just, I have to hear this again. And I pretty much had it on repeat for a good hour or two, just listening to it. Uh, it's a phenomenal song and, you know, exposing me to that. Yeah. And then listening to the debut record, you know, songs like Headspace and Promise and, and, and My Life, which I also really, really love, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So tell us about that whole recording process for this record and, and you know, how you develop all these songs. And, you know, after that, you know, what happened after that, you know, with, with, the, with the response from, from your, your fans and, and new people? So, um, yeah, so, <laughs> thank you very much for those very, very kind comments about the album. I'm, I'm really, really uh, chuffed that you, that you loved our music so much, and that, that means a lot. Um, but with the album, where, where that sort of came from is we we were actually kind of rushed for time um, with our album because we when we first hit the scene as Riders Creed, as this new band, you know, and we were pushing ourselves out there, we wanted to make an impact and we really wanted to, you know, write and churn out this new material and get these original songs on the go and, and sort of really, really make an impact. And the way that we went about that was we just decided to keep all of the committed gigs that we were booked onto and play those whilst writing in the background. So we showcased some of our songs like Headspace. You know, we wrote that. I think that was uh, one of the first songs we wrote. I think Rise, our song Rise, which is the last track on our debut album, um, was, the, was the first song that we wrote together. But Headspace became something which was, um, you know, a, a proper a group effort, we really kind of 
slaved over that song and made sure that it was exactly how we wanted it to be. It was complex for us at the time. It was, you know, there's a lot of sections and a lot of differences within Headspace itself, and and that became very exciting. So when we showcased that live and we started playing that for fans, they they loved it. They really did. So we recorded that as our first single back in January of uh, 2018. And there was a couple of local radio stations that uh, aired it and whatnot. The, the main radio station that we gave exclusivity to uh, was a radio station called Great Music Stories and a guy called Guy Bellamy. He's uh, a, a very, very lovely bloke and he did, he did absolute wonders for us um, in the UK. And, um, and yeah, then the music video came out in April and that kind of just hit it off really and people were people were loving it so when we started really writing more songs and releasing you know other singles like Raise the Hoof for example the music video for that was you know extremely fun but also extremely painful because <laughs> we really were we were being thrown about all over the place and this this guy came in Steve his name is and he, he gave us like a crash course on um like MMA fighting and how to <laughs> how how to uh, fall on your face and hurt yourself, but in a way that looks good on camera but doesn't actually hurt you. And uh, this this two and a half year profession that he'd been working on, he kind of crash coursed us in uh, five minutes. <laughs> so there was quite a lot of pain involved in that video. But yeah, when we released the album and went through the whole you know, writing process beforehand and recording process beforehand. It was it was all extremely new and extremely exciting for us. And, you know, none of us uh, in the band, in, in previous bands or anything, had ever released an actual album. We weren't sure whether to go for an EP first or whether to just go, you know, straight for an album. And, and you know, the album conversation won out of that because we thought, yeah, let's just release an album, give them loads of songs and then just pour the hell out of it. You know what I mean? Like, let's really just go and showcase it to as many people as possible around the UK. And we even ended up playing a show outside of the UK in um, Ibiza um, or Ibiza, if, if I want to use the American pronunciation. <laughs> and, um, and, it was, and it was really, yeah, it's really, really great. But we are now more prepared from our debut um, and from going through that entire process for our new album that will be coming out next year. And, and yeah, the debuts really opened up a lot of doors for us. So it was a fantastic, fantastic process. Talk about that future. I know I saw on the website that you're, you have new music coming in 2020. How has the evolution yeah. of Writer's Creed, you know, gone from their debut album to the writing process now, the mixing process now for the material that's about to come out in the next year? So there's been, there's been a couple of changes uh, within the band. In all fairness, we, we are now a four-piece, whereas before uh, we were a five-piece. And, you know, our guitarist, Lee, decided that it would be best for him um, to, to depart from the band and, and leave the band, you know, in search for a, you know, a simpler and happier life to get, you know, to, for his own reasons, he, he left and, and that left us as a four-piece. So now we've had to adapt our sound. We've had to figure out how to um, play the debut album material as a four-piece because it was very much a full five-piece band 
sound, as I'm sure you'll agree. And it, it's become something now where our writing process has had to adapt and we've had to adapt to how we write our songs and what we write our songs about. And I think that from the first album, which was more of a compilation uh, album of, of different genres, rock and roll or hard rock or rock music itself, um, where we kind of just went into that project saying, we are not a one-trick pony band. We do not focus on one sub-genre of, of rock. We, we want to be classed within the rock genre, you know? So if we want to do a hard rock song, we will. If we want to do a, a softer, kind of more folky, acoustic-style rock song, then we will. Um, you know, and it was, it was very much one of them where we just kind of wrote whatever we felt and put it down on paper. Whereas now, now our second album, uh, the album that will be coming out next year, uh, it's, we're taking a very much more mature approach to the album. Our music is, is a lot more complex. It's, you know, a lot more emotive. There are some darker tunes within this, the, the lyrical basis of the tracks as well. I'm, I'm writing at the moment some of the best lyrics that I've ever written, but we are very, very aware as a band that the best songs that we will ever write, we haven't written yet because that will come way later on down the line. However, what we can say about our new album is that we feel very strongly that, yes, it is a different direction, but this album is really showcasing what Riders Creed is now and how we write songs now and how we want to connect with our fans and our audiences uh, now. So we've grown into this new music and we feel very, very confident that, that our fans and, and new fans all over the world that don't even know that they're Riders Creed fans yet are going to absolutely love it. So yeah, we're feeling very, very confident about album two. Was it a struggle to adapt to a four-piece, or was it just a matter of time where you just had to figure it out and put the pieces back together in a four-piece rather than a five-piece? Yeah, it was. Uh, I think. Yeah, you're right. It was just a matter of time. Uh, really, we didn't. We didn't find it difficult adapting to becoming a four-piece. In fact, uh, when when we made the decision to leave, uh, we were very very supportive of that decision, you know, whatever was, whatever's best for him, uh, is, is best for all of us sort of thing, you know, so we, we very much supported his decision to leave. And so when we became a four piece and had to adapt to uh, a new writing style and, and a few new responsibilities within the band and, you know, how we're going to start playing our material life, it became very, very much, uh, an experimental process. So Miles, for example, uh, has gone, through a lot of experimentation with pedal boards and, and where his amps are going to be placed and what equipment he's going to be using and whether it was going to take more equipment or less equipment and different on-stage setups. And that's exactly the same as what Richard's done as well. Um, and, you know, it's just a case of trial and error, uh, adaptation, and really just kind of instead of seeing problems, see uh, solutions and find solutions for these things. So we've actually spent a very, very small amount of time in the grand scheme of things um, adapting to the writing style. We just kind of got on with it and it's working really well for us. In fact, I think uh, 
I think the, the, the direction that we're going and, and, and what we're doing is some of the best, uh, you know, the best sort of band experiences that, that we'll ever have. So, you know, the, the writing process for album two and, and how we write it and how our stage setup will be, um, is, is definitely now, uh, a lot, a lot sort of more, more mature, more adult, more comprehensive. So uh, uh, we, we feel very confident that we'll be able to pull it off on stage, you know, better than we ever did. We feel very confident that where we are now, we're, we're better than ever. So, so yeah, hopefully everybody else sees that as well. <laughs> what went into the decision to go down to a four-piece rather than add someone to keep the band a, a, a five-member unit? So the way that we looked at it, I mean, the way that we've always seen it really is that, is that Riders Creed um, is, is a family. You know, we're, we're a family, we're a band of brothers and we and we love what we do and, you know, we're very, very close friends as well as just being in a band with each other. So when the band started as a five-piece, you know, that was something that was very, very fresh and very new to us, you know. But over the past two and a half, nearly three years, um, we developed that kind of family-orientated uh, relationship with each other. So when Lee decided to leave, and we were then, you know, by default kind of made a four-piece, we did actually have conversations on whether or not we should, you know, get another guitarist in to fill fill the spot and, you know, sort of build that relationship with a new musician or whatever, or whether we should just take what we are left with and play the cards as if it's the hand we wanted to be dealt. So what we did was we just we just decided, you know what? We'll try it. We'll go forward as a four-piece. We'll, we'll, we'll see if it's doable. And if it's not, then we'll bring another number in. If it, if it is, then happy days. We can continue. And we found out very, very early on in that process that becoming a four-piece was actually an extremely... Uh, strong move on our part. It means that we got to experiment with a lot more on-stage technology and, and figuring out how we can build our sound and make some you know truly incredible pieces of music, but just as, as our close unit, you know, instead of having to go through the whole process of, you know, building a relationship with somebody that may have potentially been a total stranger to us. You know, if we held auditions, who knows who would have turned up. So I think we just stuck with what we know and and decided to go forward as a four-piece, and, and we're very much enjoying the whole process of, of that. So, so yeah, I don't think there's uh, any, you know, for the foreseeable anyway, uh, there's, there's no plans of becoming a five-piece. We're going we're gonna to rock it forward as a four-piece from now on. And as you said, too, I imagine that is a difficult thing to decide because you are like you said a family and you have been playing with each other since 2017 so you are there's a certain level of comfort everyone has with each other and everyone is on the same page with the journey and direction the band is going and to bring in someone yeah. that is new to that you know it could be a fresh outlook it could be a fresh perspective and that could be a positive but also there's the danger of someone you know, not jiving or not 
you know, being on the same page the other four members are. So there is, you know, there is the reward aspect and then there's the risk. And I have to imagine going through that decision-making process that, you know, with all the momentum that you guys have, I think it was probably more of a risk to bring someone in who hasn't been part of the evolution of Ryder's Creed and and from the beginning um, I think that was probably a bigger risk for you guys to take on than, than, you know, you wanted to at this time. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if we were to bring somebody in, you know, whether we know them outside of the band or whether they're a total stranger to us, um, it doesn't matter how talented they are. It's, it's about how well their personality and their writing style and their ability would gel with us as a band. So it would have put us back on our ideal schedule uh, quite a long time. And if, you know, if we got a guitarist in and he didn't fit and it took us a couple of months to figure out that, that he or she, you know, didn't fit in the band, we'd have to go through the same process again and, and sort of, you know, remove him from the band and get somebody else in. You know, it, it, you've got to look at it as well as it being a family, as a business as well. And, you know, we have an obligation to the contract with our label to make sure that there's an album coming out next year. We also have obligation and, and you know, it's kind of duty of care almost to our fans as well. We, we promise them new music. If we don't bring them new music, then because we've had to push things back or try new guitarists and maybe it gets pushed back a year or a year and a half or however long that has happened for, it, you know, the iron would very, very quickly go cold and the momentum would slow down it would completely disrupt the status quo of Riders Creed, and and it's you know it it's just all round better for us to stick to what we know and to keep the circle small and keep ourselves who you know keep this family kind of tight knit unit uh, together instead of going through the entire sort of ball like process of, of, of getting another guitarist in and, and stuff, you know, and sort of building that relationship from the ground up with somebody completely new. So I think I think it was and is the, the best decision for us to stay as a four piece um, for, for those exact reasons, yeah. How would you describe Writer's Creed? Like if you were to tell people about your band, how would you describe it? <laughs> uh, that's a that's a good question. <laughs> I haven't asked that one before. Um, how would I describe Ryder's Creed? What I would say is, I would say, I'd say Ryder's Creed are an original hard rock band from the UK. Before you watch our videos and before you listen to our music keep an open mind of what our songs mean to you. The most important thing to us as a band is how the fan uh, and how the listener perceives and relates to and emotionally connects with our music. So going through it with an open mind, you know, what I would say is that in some of our songs, our influences are apparent. And in some of our songs, it doesn't sound like anything else you've ever heard. And I think that that's, you know, part of our journey to discovering the, the true sound of Rider's Creed. But I guess if, if somebody was to, if I was to describe Rider's Creed, I'd say, I'd say we are a rock band. We are a hard rock band. 
and it's full of energy and we give everything we everything we do we give a hundred and ten percent effort and you will be able to see that we do this because we love every second of it and I guess that's the most important thing fans seeing us enjoying ourselves ultimately enjoy themselves a lot more whilst watching us even if we're not their cup of tea so what I'd say is Riders Creed are a hard rock fan go into supporting them with an open mind very good very good now the new uh, record is out 2020 can we is there a time frame to when you know the fans can expect that um yes so I think the only thing the only thing about the album that's coming out next year that, that we're allowed to say at the moment is that the album will be called Lost Souls and it will be coming out next year and it's I mean in our opinion better than anything we've released previously so basically all, all I think I'm allowed to say on this is uh, be excited and, and stay excited and keep your eyes out because any updates any little cheat, uh, you know um <laughs> like juicy details we will be uploading onto our socials and we will be letting people know the second that we are allowed to do so so just keep keep your eyes on our social medias keep your eyes on the band and little cheeky easter eggs and stuff like that will be you know making appearances uh in due course so that's that's kind of all i'm allowed to say really yeah yeah, no, I, I totally get it. I can say that, you know, when you do talk about, you know, what's coming in the future, I could tell that you're really excited about it. I could tell that you you can't wait for people to hear it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, extremely excited. We're, we're all really, really eager. You know, we have, we have some tracks from the album done already, and we just want to push them out and get them out to people now, but obviously there's a process to the whole thing so we've got to we've got to kind of sit on our hands and, and, and you know twin our thumbs and kind of wait you know <laughs> go to them you can't do anything about it <laughs> what's the plans for playing live and touring after this record comes out we do have plans for a tour um, it is a, a fairly large tour because I mean the way that we look at it is that back in the day fans used to release an album and then they would tour that album practically non-stop for like a year or two years, you know, and, and we really, really love the idea of doing that. And so our plan is that there will be uh, a release tour, there will be uh, a UK uh, release tour that will be going on in, in celebration of the launch of our album. Um, and then... After that, it's just simply a case of booking ourselves up onto as many festivals, as many gigs, uh, as many events as we possibly can um, from then on, really, just to, just to make sure that our music hits as many, as many people as possible. There have been uh, talks about European dates and, you know, flighting uh, across the pond to play a few places in, in Europe and, and different places like that, but that's all very much... Uh, up in the air at the moment still. Um, but we're very, very much planning on, on pushing 
this new music and our new performance out to as many people as possible. And to do that, you have to gig. So what I will say is expect a lot of shows from Riders Creed in 2020 and 2021. Um, it's, yeah, it's going to be extremely exciting and we're going to hopefully push ourselves up to that next step uh, within the industry. So, yeah, very, very exciting. Loads of shows. My fingers will continue to be crossed for U.S. dates because, you know, it, with oh, you guys, <laughs> yeah, and, 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 you know, the other bands in the U.K., I mentioned Takeaway Thieves, there's Massive Wagons, there's so many other great uh, bands in the U.K. right now. And unfortunately, they don't get to yeah, come to really, the U.S. Really yeah, and, and unfortunately, they don't get to come to the U.S. as much as we'd like, as much as bands did in the past. The, the expense is... is very high uh, for a band, for an up-and-coming band to come and yeah. play that. And we understand that, but, I, you know, I, I do keep my fingers crossed that, you know, at some point, some of the bands, like like yourselves, will will, will hit the road and, and come to North America. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, our, our dream within this band is to perform our music all over the world to as many people as physically possible. And I'm sure that is a, a shared dream uh, of, of many of the UK bands that are up and coming, like Takeaway Thieves and Magic Wagons uh, that you just mentioned, two, two incredible bands, um, as well as many, many more as well. I mean, you know, bands, bands that we've gigged with, bands like Empire and The Rocket Dolls and Hollow Star and Wicked Stone, so many amazing amazing up-and-coming uh, rock bands in the UK. All of us dream of crossing the pond and doing tours in the USA and gigging in every single state that we can possibly get into. And, you know, it just comes down to the simple and yet really annoying factor of, of cost. Um, nowadays, you know, it, for a band, you know, even a successful band to make a lot of money doing what they do and doing what they love is an extremely difficult task. And it's a very, very uh, difficult thing to achieve, especially in the music industry at the moment. Back in the day, record labels, you know, they find a band, grab a band, give them a signing bonus, and then using their money, they'd shoot them off across the, like, across the world to all these different venues and shows and festivals and whatnot. And they'd pay to promote these bands and soon, you know, almost within no time at all, everybody everywhere would know about these bands and record labels just unfortunately don't work like that anymore. The money the money in record labels is not given to bands and spent on sending these bands all over the place. The money now is in online sales and, and advertising costs and, you know, all, all, all of the above. And I think that because the industry's changed in that way, you know, the, the market has become extremely uh, saturated with with bands. I mean, you, you go anywhere and pretty much everyone's in a band nowadays or everybody's a musician or in the industry in some way, you know. But to really sort of make it nowadays, you've got to make sure that your online sales and your streams are there because the only real way that bands nowadays make money is from merch sales at gigs and from venues or promoters paying them a fee to, to play. So, you know, to gain the money to go over to America and get our visas and, you know, be able to earn money over there and, and stuff is a very, very highly difficult thing to do. However, I will say with utmost confidence that, that it is on every single up-and-coming rock UK band's 
to do this. Um, and it is definitely a goal that a lot of us have, have set ourselves to achieve. So, you know, within the next sort of 10 years, hopefully you will be seeing Riders Creed in, in your neck of the woods. <laughs> I'm hoping because I love you guys. You guys have great music. Uh, I really enjoy listening to you. And, you know, I'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed and hope for the day that I'm buying Riders Creed tickets to go to go see you guys. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> well, thanks, Ryan, for doing this. I appreciate it. You, you, you know, I love the conversation. I can't wait for the new music to come out, and I will be enjoying the current music that you have. I, I love the new the, or the debut record. It's not new, but uh, I love the debut record. So I look forward to it. And thank you very much for doing this. Brilliant. Thank you very, very much for having me. It's been uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to chat to you. Um, anytime that you want to chat, just let us know and we'll get back on a phone call. It'd be uh, really, really good to talk to you again. So thank you very, very much for yeah, having me and thank you to all of your listeners for hearing me out. <laughs> well, let's do that. Let's do that when the when the debut, or the, I'm sorry, not the debut, the, the second album comes out. Let's, let's get a conversation going and we'll talk about the record. Yeah, sounds good to me. Sounds good to me, man. I'm, I'm totally down for that. <laughs> well, perfect. Once again, everybody, this has been a new episode of the New Music Spotlight with Ryan Anthony of Writer's Creed. It is the last New Music Spotlight of 2019. I've enjoyed showcasing all the bands we've had here this past year. We look forward to doing it next year. Once again, this is Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. We will talk again soon. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.